Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Well, hey, welcome to church. Hey, if you've come tonight and it's your first time or your first time uh, in a long time, my name is Ben Schneider. I'm the worship pastor here at the Harbor Church. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm a little bit sick tonight, but um, I mean, I'm really excited. You've come on such an incredible night um, because this is week three. This is the final message in our Compassion Series. How many people have enjoyed this Compassion Series? It's really been incredible. And we started week one with um, Pastor Jordan Durso, and he shared an incredible word um, uh, about being a friend, about being one of the four, about being someone who comes around each other and has compassion on the people around us. And then last week we talked about the compassion and the heart of God. And this week I want to talk about something uh, a little bit different. I want to talk about how God defines compassion. So if you have your Bible, um, we're going to jump right into it. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 tonight, and, and I want to dive right in, and um, I want to encourage you guys, um, if you're, uh, if you're um, maybe here tonight and, and you're sort of new to the Bible, this is an incredible passage, um, and when I first started really serving God, man, when I would come to church, I would go back and I would reread stuff, because man, God does something so supernatural when you open up the Word of God for yourself, and uh, you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, man, I, I believe that God has something really special um, for you tonight. So Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 30, um, it, it, reads, it reads as this. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, <coughs> and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Somebody say other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. When he saw him, he had compassion. For the next couple minutes, I've simply entitled this talk, Hello from the Other Side. Come on, hello from the other side. Hey, can you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for this series. God, we thank you that your heart for us is compassion. And, uh, and Lord, we thank you that you've given us a heart of compassion. And I just pray that tonight, um, Holy Spirit, I would move out of the way. And, Lord, that you would just be glorified in this place. Jesus, we don't want another teaching or another song. We just want more of you. And uh, I just pray we leave, would leave this place looking a little bit more like you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. This word compassion is a really interesting word. It's a word that I think we're kind of used to in this day and in this age and in this culture. Um, um, we hear this word compassion a lot, but before we dive into this, I kind of want to define what we're talking about. Compassion is defined in the dictionary as a strong feeling of sympathy for people who are suffering and a desire to help them. See, it's a feeling of sympathy. You can feel compassion, but that's not where the definition ends. The definition pairs the feeling of compassion, the feeling of sympathy, with a desire to have an action, with a desire to help them. And I think if, it's really funny, if someone were to ask me, I was thinking about this, if someone were to ask me, hey, Ben, do you think you're a compassionate person? Man, um, I, I, I would respond, I would say, man, yeah, I think, I think I'm a compassionate person. 
you know, and I think it's really funny with humanity. If you're anything like me, you know, we, we tend to kind of give ourselves the, the benefit of the doubt, right? Like if people were to ask you if you're compassionate, I, I think we would all think, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty compassionate. But the truth of the matter is we kind of judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions, at least for me, I, I like to think that if I was in the situation, I would do the right thing and I would say the right thing. But how many people know that a lot of the times opportunities to be compassionate aren't always convenient? They're not always um, aligning up with our schedule. And sometimes we can look at other people and judge their hearts or if they're compassionate, compassionate or not. But us, we just kind of take half of the definition, at least if you're anything like me sometimes, and say, you know what, yeah, I have these feelings, I have these sympathies, but there's a whole other side to this. You know, intentions of compassion without action can be harmful. And I'm going to give you two reasons why. Having just intentions of compassion without action, two things happen. One, people don't get help or the need doesn't get met. See, just feelings aren't going to fill a need. Well, just having a feeling isn't going to change someone, change someone else's situation. So the first thing is people don't get help or a need isn't met. And the second thing is when we just have feelings but we don't have actions, we become delusional. I, I don't know if you're like me, and uh, maybe you've seen, like, the, the worst commercial of all time, but it's like you're, you're watching, like, the Giants game. You're watching Danny Dimes just, just dropping touchdowns. Let's go. Give it up for the New York Giants. We prayed, and he was faithful. But, but sometimes I'll be, like, watching TV, and then all of a sudden, like, this commercial will come on of, like, the skinniest dog, the saddest animal you've ever seen. And you're just, like, your heart breaks. And in that moment, you're like, man, I just want to save all the dogs. And then it goes to a Papa John's commercial, and you're like, man, I guess I'm hungry right now. Like, you know, I, I, intentions without action, sometimes what happens is if we live off these feelings of sympathy, we, we might think that we're becoming compassionate or think something is happening, but it's actually not helping anything. But tonight I want to look at something a little bit different. See, acts of compassion. Acts of compassion, two things happen. One, people get the help and the need gets met. When we step through those feelings, which are, the, are from the Lord and are incredible, but when we put an action to it, not only do people get help and the need get met and the need becomes met, but the second thing is this: we become more like Jesus. The Bible says, "Faith without works is dead," and it's not saying, "Hey, do works to prove your faith." That's not what it's saying. It's saying your faith is activated when you step out to serve somebody else. That there's nothing that will mature you more as a believer um, beyond even hearing a teaching. And all those things are amazing. But when you start listening to the Holy Spirit, every act of faith is an act of compassion. And here's why. Because God is a first giving God. The Bible says this. For, for God so loved the wor world that he what? That he gave. You will never look more like Jesus than when you're a giver. And I'm not just talking about money tonight. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about opportunity. I'm talking about being the kind of person that Jesus is who said, man, I'm not just on this earth. I have a mission, but also my mission are the people that are around me. Man, there's something powerful when we embrace compassion, godly compassion. See, compassion is measured not by thoughts and intention, but by awareness and action. You know, um, anytime... We want to see the heart of God when it comes to compassion. We can look at Jesus. 
And I love that. Anytime we want to see what God looks like or, or what true compassion looks like, we can look at Jesus because the Bible tells us Jesus was the only son of God. Jesus was God with skin on. To see how God would react to people, to see how God would be. And sometimes I think we have this ethereal um, sort of far off view of God because he is so miraculous and, and wondrous. And man, uh, if you ever go to the ocean or the Grand Canyon, it's impossible to look at those things without thinking, oh, the wonder of God. Like God is massive and he's so big and he's so amazing and how could we know him? But yet he sent his son to stand in our place and he put skin on and, and, and we get to see what God would look like if he was a person. And man, what we see when we look at Jesus is he didn't come down to earth and just say, everyone must serve me now. He didn't just float above the ground and say, and just asking people to do things for him. No, Jesus became like a servant. Jesus went to the marginalized. In fact, Jesus got in trouble by the church people of the time, the traditional people, because he was hanging out with the bad crowd. They're saying, Jesus, you know, this doesn't look good for you to hang out with the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors. And, and Jesus turned around and said, hey, these people know that they're hurting. Man, man, Jesus was the, was, was the master of compassion. He just had such a heart for people. And we really see it um, in this story that I, I, I want to read. And, man, I love the Bible um, because I, I'm like a visual learner. I'll sometimes read these stories and I'll try to put myself um, in the actual event so that it will become alive and real to me. But I just want to give you a little bit of context. And you might have heard the story of the Good Samaritan before. Um, but, but there's a little bit of context to this story. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is sort of hanging out um, with his squad, right? Like he's hanging out with all the people. He's in the village. And Jesus was like a, a a popular guy because, man, he just really loved people and people really loved him. And, um, and, and so he's out with his people. And what would happen is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they would um, try to trap Jesus in front of people. And they, they, they didn't like what Jesus was doing, so they were trying to, to trap him and to expose him. So what they did is they had this lawyer who was a really, really smart guy. And, and I'm sure the lawyer was like, man, it's my time. I'm finally going to stump Jesus. I'm going to come out here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him what's good. And, and so they say, okay. And I could see them just hyping him up, just like, you got this, bro. Jesus is going down, dude. And they send him out. And he goes into the crowd, and, he's, and this is where the story picks up in uh, chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, the lawyer stood up, and he put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this. And you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, that's important, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, the lawyer, what's interesting to me, was putting the attention on the recipient, saying this, hey, hey, okay, Jesus, I get loving God with all of your heart. Okay, I get going to church, I get doing this thing, and, but this love your neighbor as yourself, like, define to me, what are the rules here? What he was really asking is, who qualifies for my love? Who qualifies for my compassion? Who qualifies for my 
for my uh, respect or my honor or my forgiveness. He was trying to get an answer that would justify him putting limits and conditions on who he treated with love, honor, and respect. See, I think what's so interesting to me, and and I think if we're going to be honest here tonight, we do this so often. This lawyer was going to Jesus, and he wasn't looking for the heart of God. He was actually looking for fire insurance. He said, okay, what is the line, Jesus? What do I have to do to not go to hell? Like, I have my life over here, but what are the rules? Like, like what, what do I need to abide by to not go to hell? And what's interesting to me is he was missing the heart of the matter. He was asking Jesus, what do I have to do on the outside to give me peace on the inside? And Jesus was saying, hey, the opposite of religion is relationship with God. What he's saying is this. It, no, no, God doesn't want to change you from the outside. God is interested in your heart. He's it's not just about loving people or who, who do I love or who do I not love. He's saying when you have the heart of God, you can't walk by someone without loving them. When you have the heart of the first giving God, man, man you can forgive people when you're not supposed to. And see, that's the unconditional supernatural love of God. You're never going to be able to love like God until you're put in a position where you're not supposed to. Man, in the Bible, there's a point where Jesus says, hey, it's easy for friends to love their friends. Sinners do that is what he says. What he's saying is it's easy to love someone who agrees with you. You're going to look like every, everybody else. But here's the unconditional love of God. When you love the person who hates you. See, we, we as Christians, we're not called to hammer the hell out of people. We're called to love the hell out of people. We're called to be the kind of people who say, hey, hey, man, you, I know you're trying to hurt me, but because I'm accepted by God, I can't be rejected by you. Because I'm chosen by God, I, don't, I can't be looked over by you. Because Jesus on the cross made a statement once and for all, and he said, I'm dying for whosoever will. That's the supernatural love of God. And as I was preparing this message, I was thinking, what would happen in the church, and not just the harbor, but the church of Long Island, when we were so filled with the Holy Spirit, when we were so aware of who our Father was and who our God was, and it stops becoming about what church I'm a part of, and it starts becoming about, Jesus, you can have my whole heart. What, man, what would your workplace look like? What would your family look like? And, and not just doing it to do it, but, but allowing God to give you such a love that it overwhelms the hatred and the unforgiveness and the bitterness. Man, bitterness is such a big thing that stands in the way. You might have heard this quote before. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to be hurt. What Jesus is saying is, is hey, in, in your endeavor to create rules so you don't go to hell, you are hurting yourself. In your endeavor to just, to just do this thing correctly and to stick up with your traditions, Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're not called to be a church member. You're called to be born again. You're called to be in the kingdom of God. There's a passage in the Bible that says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. They were on two different pages. The lawyer was saying, hey, what are the limitations? Who, who am I supposed to love? He was missing the heart of the matter. See, religion deals with acts of service. Relationship deals with acts of compassion. Jesus was saying, hey, you know what's really important? Love God with everything. But you know what's also really important? Love your neighbor as yourself. Then the man looks at him. He says, who, who is my neighbor? And I love Jesus because 
man, sometimes when we ask God questions, he doesn't always answer us the way that we want to be answered, but he answers us the way that we need to be answered, right? And what's awesome is Jesus responds to him like this. He says, let me tell you a story. Man, Jesus is so, so incredible. He didn't just give him a straight up thing. He said, hey, let me, let me actually tell you a story. And in verse 30, Jesus says this. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and, and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, and he p- pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will pay to you when I come back. You know, I think it's really interesting to me that sometimes we read this story, and we just jump right down to the Samaritan. But, but, but the first two men that came, the first two men that walked down this road, and just to give you a little bit of a context to the actual story, the Bible says this is a Jewish guy, and he's walking on the road, and, and then he, it doesn't say he just gets jumped and tripped, and he, like, is down on the ground and needs to be picked up. The Bible says that he gets beaten bl- to till he's a bloody mess. Like, this is, like, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced this or ever seen this before, but it was a traumatic sight. This was messy. That this, this, this was a, a, a traumatic a thing to see. And the Bible says that this Jewish man is beaten on the road and down comes a, a, a priest. And I'm sure this guy is excited because, see, a priest was like a pastor. And their job, he was a part of the church. His job was to care for people. God had called him to people. See, but the problem that the priest had is when he saw him, he made a decision to, to, to cross over to the other side. See, he moved to the other side, putting distance from himself and the man to ease his conscience. And I think that uh, I'm sure if he was on the road, he was probably on his way somewhere. I'm sure he was like, man, I'm wearing my nice priest, like my priest outfit. with the, It's all white right now. Like, I look good. Like, I'm not trying to get this gross blood on me right now, right? Like, I'm sure that he was walking down, and he said, wow, this is just, this is just not the right time for me. And he crossed to the other side so that his conscience wouldn't be at ease. And the Bible says that the next guy is a Levite, and the Levite was the family of priests. See, Jesus was talking about, about church people. And he said that he saw this man, but he just decided, hey, you know what, this is, this is a little bit too messy for me. This is a, a little bit, I'm not, I don't have time for this. And then it says that the Samaritan man came, and his response is he goes towards the mess, and he picks him up, and he takes him in. And see, the third man saw him. He had the same choice as them, but instead of going away to ease his conscience, he went toward to ease that man's pain. And I think the reality is, you know, as I was praying about this message, I was like, God, what, you know, I started getting caught in the weeds with this story, and, and I'll always kind of overstudy to just kind of um, um, get the, this whole idea. And as I was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, hey, um, compassion isn't complicated, but it's costly. 
Compassion isn't this thing where, where we have to, like, figure it out, but, but it's a thing where we're allowing ourselves to be um, inconvenienced in our timeline to be on heaven's timeline. There's been very few times in my life when I've seen a divine opportunity um, that it's been on time for me. But, you know, when I, um, about a, cu- a couple of years ago, um, uh, I was, uh, we used to do this thing um, called house church um, for our young adults in our church. Um, at the time, um, I was preparing a message for this young adult service. And, um, man, I'm praying, and I'm, like, in my spiritual mode, right? I'm, like, Lord, like, I'm, I'm just, like, declaring things. I'm, like, God, give me a word. Um, just show me what you want me to do right now. Show me what you want me to do, thinking God's going to give me this message for this awesome moment. And um, I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, hey, I want you to go down to 7-Eleven, and there's a man there. I want you to tell him that I love him. And I was, like... No, not you, devil. I'm talking to God. I have a sermon to preach. I have a timeline. I have some that can't be you, God, because you know that I have a timeline. You know I have something that I'm supposed to do. And, and I felt the Lord say again, no, I want you to go do this. And as I was arguing with God, I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, um, you, uh, your, your sermon isn't your sermon. Your life is your sermon. Ministry isn't something that you just sign up for. Ministry is having the heart of God. And in that moment, I said, well, can't argue with that. So got in my car, and I drove down, and I walk in, and I'm all nervous because, man, I bought, like, a ton of stuff just because I was putting it off. I was like, if he keeps checking out, maybe he won't hear me. And so he's checking me out, and he's checking me out, and then finally I looked at him, and I said, hey, man, this might sound a little crazy, but I just need to tell you, man, that you're awesome, man. God loves you so much. And in that moment, um, he, he looked at me, and it looked like so, it looked like it hit him like a ton of bricks. And, 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 and as he was looking at me, he was like, man, thank you. And, and it didn't really go beyond that, but as I walked away, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and says, that was your message today. Man, and if we could just as a, a body of believers, and man, I can't tell you how many times I've said no to Jesus and been like, man, I wish I would have just stepped out and done that. But I will tell you this, I, every single time I've said yes to Jesus or yes to the Holy Spirit, man, God has always, always, always been faithful and, incre- and, and given me a, a, a blessing of peace in my heart. Man, I love what I love about the disciples is, um, man, once they started following Jesus and, and once they started being who God called them to be, um, the Bible says that, th- that people looked at them and they marveled saying, these guys are uneducated, but we know that they've been with Jesus. Man, God wants to give us a heart of compassion. See, all three saw the man and they saw the situation and they made a choice. Two moved to the other side and they put distance between themselves and the man to ease their conscience. The third man saw him but made the choice to have compassion. He went towards the man to ease his pain. See, once you're made aware of suffering, you have the choice to either ease your conscience or work to ease somebody else's pain. I think it's interesting that he didn't just see the man. The Bible doesn't say that the good Samaritan, he didn't just look at him. But he had compassion. It didn't say he just felt compassion in that moment, but the Bible says that he actually had compassion. I'm going to call the band up tonight. But, but tonight is a, is a little bit different because, man, we're going to have an opportunity to actually not just see a need, but actually do something about it. And, man, what's, what's really interesting to me about this Samaritan 
And what's so different with him and everybody else is that, that this Samaritan, like, he, he wasn't one of the priests and he wasn't one of the Levites. In fact, he wasn't just a neighbor of, of this man. The reason that Jesus brought up the Samaritan is because at the time um, in the culture, there was an incredible uh, racial divide. There were the Jewish people who were the chosen people of God. They, they, they had their own temple. They were the ones that the Messiah was going back for. They, 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 were, they were the chosen people of God. And then down the road, you had the Samaritans. And what was different about the Samaritans was, was that they, they, were, they had Jewish heritage, but there was mixed um, blood in the Samaritans. They weren't purely Jewish, and there was mixture. And so they made them have a different city, and they had to worship in a different place, and they were kind of looked down upon. And, and, and the Samaritans were always made to feel less than. And Jesus looks at this, this uh, lawyer and he says, hey, and the third guy was a guy that was, was totally mistreated. A third guy was a guy that was totally mishandled. And this is what being a good neighbor looks like. It's not just, it's not just random acts of service. And this isn't a message that says, hey, do good things so that kindness will be passed along. Because this isn't something this, that came naturally to the Samaritan. This was supernatural love. Man, everything in the Samaritan must have uh, been, been opposed to this idea. But, but what was so awesome is, is when he saw this Jewish man, he didn't look at him by, by how he treated him. He looked at him and he saw him with the eyes of Jesus. And he should have reacted by saying, see, you got what, what was coming to you. And, man, we live in a world where, where, where the, the, it's so divided and, and everyone is trying to get stuff on each other. And Jesus says, love stands in the way and says, no matter what you do to me, man, I'm going to love you with the supernatural love of God. And the Samaritan, he looks at this broken and beaten man, this man who represents all this hatred against him. And, and I'm sure the Samaritan had somewhere to go. He had a place to be. But he decided in that moment, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to give up my location because that's God's son. And it says that he goes over to the man, he sees this man that's broken and beaten, and I'm sure he sees the priest way off. And I'm sure he sees the Levi way off. And, and he doesn't wait for a ministry behind him. And he doesn't wait for his pastor to say, go and do this, because what he has is the burning heart of God. And I could just picture him just looking at this broken man, and he gets down, and the Bible says it doesn't say that he um, ties a rope to him and puts him on the, it says he gets down, and he picked him up, and he held him, and I can imagine just the blood getting on, on him. See, there's something really interesting about being around brokenness. When you're around brokenness, sometimes that stuff kind of gets off on you. But he wasn't ashamed or embarrassed. He wasn't thinking of what people would think of me. He was so burning with the heart of God. And he picked him up, and he, and he put him on his horse, and he said, hey, um, and he didn't just bring him to a, a place. He brought him to an inn, and he paid for him, and he said, hey, I'm going to come back, and you take care of everything. He didn't make it even. There was nothing fair about this. I think it's interesting that he gave up his standing so that this man could find healing. There, there's a, a really, really cool story um, 
that that occurred a couple a couple years ago. Um, so I, I just started kind of getting into like watching um, the Olympics, mainly because the guys that I live with are like super into the Olympics. So this is totally new for me. Um, but but the, a couple of years ago, something really um, interesting happened that caught um, national headlines. There was um, there was uh, this this women's race. And uh, it was a really big race. And if you know anything about the Olympics, you know that, um, man, these um, athletes, um, they train for years for one event. Like, they train for years just for, like, for like one minute, like 60 seconds of going all out and, and running. And, um, and so they're all prepared, and they're all excited, and it's this women's um, race, and, and they're all lined up on the line, and they go. And they're just going because they're like, man, this is what my whole life has led up to this moment, and I need to get to the finish line. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show the world um, my value and show that I matter. And they're running, and they're running. And then at some point in the race, there was a woman from New Zealand, and she missed a step, and she fell, and she took out a bunch of the runners around her herself, injuring herself and, and making all these other runners fall. And what happened next was, was pretty interesting. They all got up and they were like, man, well, th- we got to use this and we got to get to the finish line. Um, but this New Zealand, oh, this woman from New Zealand was, was down and she couldn't finish. And I can imagine the heartbroken feeling of, oh man, all of this work. And I'm just watching people get to the finish line. But there was one runner and it was this woman and her name was Abby Diagostino, and she was an American, and, and she stopped in that moment, and, and, what, and what, she, what changed everyone's uh, perspective, and people stopped watching the people running, is she stopped, and she turned around, and she said, hey, we're going to do this together, and the girl, the New Zealand girl was like, no, no, you just go, you can do this, and she says, no, 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 no. we're going to do this together, and she picked her up, and she put her across her shoulder, and those two together crossed the finish line, and what was so interesting to me is, is the, the one who stopped, and the one who picked her up, man, she was the one that everybody was looking at the following day, and I thought it was such a beautiful, um, awesome picture of this, this act of courage, and this act of compassion, and, and what struck me as, as being so powerful, man, is we, we, we serve a God who gave up his standing. We serve a God who gave up his, his um, he was the king of heaven. He had all things that Jesus, um, everything was made through him. He was the all-powerful God. And in a moment, the Bible says that the father looked at the son and he said, hey, for these people to make it to the finish line, you're going to have to give up your standing and stand in the way of what must happen. And when I think about compassion in this Samaritan, we really see the heart of God when he came to us and he said, hey, I'm going to give up my standing and I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to carry you across this finish line and I'm going to put you where I am. Man, there's no heart like the heart of Jesus who surrendered his standing so that we could get to the finish line. This good Samaritan surrendered his standing so that this man could get to the finish line. And the last thing tonight is Jesus responded to this man. After the story, he said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. I think what's so interesting is Jesus takes the attention off of the person receiving the respect, honor, love, and compassion. And he puts it back on the person who is called to give it. 
See, our role as a good neighbor, it's not conditional on the person's beliefs or opinions or agreements or disagreements. But, but it's conditional, but it's unconditionally from the heart of God. I think we live in a world where we think that loving someone is always equivalent to agreeing with someone. And sometimes, man, we can see even on social media or Facebook or different things that it's so easy to just take things personally and go back and forth and back and forth. And Jesus was saying, hey, guys, get off that level. Man, there's something bigger. Because, man, when you actually know how much God loves you, you can't help but love people. When you actually know what Jesus did when he gave up his standing, and, and the reality is this, is he saw us in a broken and a bloody place, and he came down, and no matter what situation you were in, whatever addiction or anxiety or, or, um, or whatever issue you even came here tonight, Jesus wasn't the one who went to the other side and walked over. He said, I want it all. And he picked us up and he said, I want it all. And he brought us through to the other side. And when you realize how much God's forgiven you and when you realize how much God loves you and when you realize that you're living in the bonus round of his grace and his goodness and his forgiveness. And man, when I start to realize that, man, I could have ended, my life could have ended years ago. Things could have looked totally different. But God continuously said, my son, I love you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I don't give you what you deserve. I gave that to Jesus. You now get what he deserves. Man, when we start to realize we're living in the bonus round of the goodness of God, we can look around at the people who are pointing back at us or maybe angry at us and say, no, 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 man, I love you. I love you. You're incredible. You know Jesus loves you. You know how much he loves you? You know, in closing tonight, verse 33, the verse that I want us all to take, and we're going to have an opportunity here to do something really special, and I know tonight looks a little bit different than it normally does, but this verse 33 really says it all. It says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. I want to share just one last story with you. It was a story that really really kind of rocked me this week. In August 26, 1910, in this little country of Albania, there was a, there was a young girl born named Agnes Gonza. And what was really amazing about this little girl is when she was 12 years old, she had this life-changing encounter with God. And she just decided in that moment, I want to serve God with everything that I have. And so when she was 18, uh, she moved to this abbey in Ireland to learn English and become a missionary. And she was so excited about God. She's like, I want to I wanna be who God called me to be. And a year later, she moved to India where she went to continue her education at a local convent. And in 1937, she became a teacher and she taught for 20 years, eventually becoming the headmistress. So this, this little girl, she, she goes to India and she becomes this missionary and then she, um, she's part of this, this beautiful Catholic convent and she grows in this, um, in this church and she's teaching for 20 years. Um, but on September 10th in 1946, Agnes experienced what later she described as the call within the call. And as she was traveling by train from her convent to Calcutta, um, she began to see the brokenness in India. 
and, and as she saw um, uh, all the brokenness, as she was going from her comfortable life, she started looking around and saw, man, people are starving here. People are hurting here. And, and, and this, this, this young lady looked around, and she, she decided in that moment, man, I have to do something about this. I can't just see this. I've got to do something about this. And she became, uh, she began missionary work with the poor in 1948. And what was so amazing about this woman is uh, she took off of her nun outfit and she, she became an Indian citizen and she, took, she wore a sari and she just said, I want to live like one of these people. And so this woman with no finances just took a couple of her friends and said, hey, we're going to serve these people. And um, the Indian government started to notice things, but, man, it wasn't really going well for them. They didn't have money, and things were drying up. And, um, and, and she experienced um, real discouragement. And, um, and as she was doing these, these slums, and, and, and there came a point where she was like, man, I don't know that I could keep doing this. Um, and then uh, she wrote in her, her journal something really powerful. She said, today I learned a good lesson. The poverty of the poor must be so hard for them. While looking for a home, I walked and walked till my arms and legs ached, and I thought about how much they must ache in body and soul, looking for home, food, and help. Then the comfort of my convent came to tempt me. You have only to say the word, and all this will be yours, the tempter kept on saying. A free choice, my God, and out of love for you, I desire to remain and do whatever be your holy will in my regard. This woman said, I'm going to serve this need. And what was so interesting is after that, she was given a mission. And the Catholic Church came behind her. And then the Indian government started seeing what was happening. And this mission began to feed the poor. And thousands of people started getting affected. Then after that, they said, hey, we're going to give you some more money. And she opened up a hospice for the, for the dying and, and, and the broken and the hurting. And, and the craziest thing that happened is it began to grow to another hospice and then another hospice. And she went on to, to, to just uh, keep, keep going all throughout India. Man, the faith of this one woman just began to carry what God was doing. And by 2007, the missions that she had opened outnumbered 5,000 brothers and sisters working in it, and there were 600 missions, schools, and shelters in 120 countries. And this started from one woman's yes. And what's so interesting about this is this woman, uh, w- this woman was, was known as quoting this, by blood I am Albanian, by citizenship and Indian, by faith I'm a Catholic nun, and as to my calling, I belong to the world. As to my heart, I belong entirely to the heart of Jesus. This woman's name was Mother Teresa. But see, when she was just little Agnes and she gave her heart to God and she just said yes before she had anything to be able to do it. Man, how many people know that God doesn't call the qualified? He qualifies the call. See, and the message tonight is not, I'm not saying, hey, you're Mother Teresa or you have to go do something wild like that. But what I am trying to say is there's something supernatural about your yes. There's something supernatural about saying yes to what we can do to be more like Jesus. And tonight, we're going to have an opportunity um, to sponsor some kids from Haiti and to change some children's lives. But before we do that, um, we have a video of a sponsor who actually traveled to meet their child. And I want to show you this really quickly because sometimes I think we can give and, and it doesn't really register. We don't really realize what we're doing. But what was amazing is this sponsor finally had the opportunity to meet this little boy. And this little boy asked, hey, can I pray for you? And, um, and I just want you to turn your eyes to the screen really quick. Yeah. <laughs> 
because it's become a reality. This is the most wonderful thing that has happened in my life. Señor, thank you because this is a miracle for my life. Gracias, God, because you brought my sponsor. Gracias, because it's because of your blood. Thank you so much, because you have done this for my family. Thank you so much, because he's part of my family now. Thank you because you gave us your life for these miracles. Heavenly Father, give my sponsor long life, long life. I make more miracles in his life. Guys, my 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 sponsor to do everything for you. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Hey, please stand your feet with us tonight, church. Your yes matters. And hey, here at the harbor, we don't at all believe in guilting someone into giving, but we do totally believe in saying yes to the Holy Spirit. So for the next couple minutes, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to go back into worship. Um, and if you're here tonight and, um, and you say, you know what, God, I, I, I feel like you're putting that need on my heart. Um, and this, the last three weeks, we've been sponsoring kids through compassion. And um, on this uh, uh, information bar over here, we actually have a whole village of Haitian kids um, represented. And we have had, I think, close to 100 kids sponsored so far through our local church, which is incredible. You can give it up. Um, and so all that means tonight is it's, it's $38. Um, and $38 a month, what it does for a child is it gives him clean water, it gives him food, it gives him an education. Um, and um, also what it does, if God's putting on your heart, is it um, changes your heart and it makes you a little bit more like Jesus. So if you're here tonight, um, as we go back into worship, um, man, if, if God's put it on your heart, or maybe you're not even sure, we want to encourage you, just take a look around and take a look at some of those kids. And if you feel it um, hit your heart, man, um, just step out and see what God can do. Man, you can write to these kids. You can do so many cool things to get connected. Here in America, here in Patchogue, man, we could change the lives of orphans in Haiti. How incredible is that? Man, um, that's so so awesome. But hey, um, as we're closing, I just want to invite you just to lift your hands. Jesus, I just pray in this place, God, you would give us all a heart like Jesus. God, give us all a heart like yours. Lord, I just pray for compassion in this place. Just begin uh, begin to do a new work in our lives. I pray that as we go into this next week, God, that, Lord, we would be looking for divine opportunities to be Jesus in our workplace, in our families, God, that you would be glorified in our lives, God, because we know when you're glorified, we are most satisfied, Jesus. So we lift you up. Come on, turn. Let's begin to lift him up. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.